What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle Cove! Hey, behaves! Ah. You think uh, Hack Wilson had a walkout song? That's a hell of a question. I, I would guess, no, he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. Saw Buster Posey hit a home run today. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. But doesn't uh, doesn't the ball fly there at Talking Stick or whatever the hell that place? The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the I like the A's one. Ho-ho cam? Ho-ho cam? Yeah. Ho-ho cam? I saw Talking, Arizona, talking yeah. Stick. I went to a bachelor party a year ago at the casino called Talking Stick. And then I saw last night the Suns Arena is now called the right. Talking Stick Arena. Yeah. So. Resort, right? It's a resort. resort. And a- yeah, yeah. They got a couple golf courses. It's actually really cool. The hi- yeah. highest level Indian casino probably in America. Clearly got some, How about- ca- got some cash. How about... Uh- Tommy Fleetwood on 18 at the uh, what was that the Honda Classic? Yeah, the, they call it the Bear Trap. The the uh, the I'll tell the you, ending stretch. A good island green is one of the most watchable things in sports. I think somebody hitting a pressure shot onto a, towards an island green is one of my favorite things to watch in sports. Well, wouldn't you say the most historic non-major shot every year is the players' hole 17? Just that par three. And just the guys, historic of guys hitting in the water, yeah, and the uh, the, the feeling how they just drop, kind of <laughs> their body <laughs> language. It, it, you're right. It, I the players is only like 140 yards. The, I think what's cool about the Honda is you're hitting 250 yards and it's windy, so you're just you just might hit in the water. And one thing I was reading, uh, who's the guy we were talking about that did the No Laying Up podcast a couple weeks ago? Oh, uh, not Mark, uh, Peter Costas. Yeah, he tweeted today that the thing about this course is the winds go across the fairway left to right. 
He's like, it really exposes flaws in ball striking. <laughs> and I start laughing because I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of flaws in my ball striking. Yeah, but- I, I, again, I, I'm no Peter Costas. I think an in, a dead into you wind exposes you the most because if you hit a cut or you hit a draw, it quadruples it. You're right, though. I guess the side wins. He said those. I mean, he said those do too. He's like any wind exposes it. Yeah, but you know, it probably depends on the way you 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 work the ball. True. I, well, when I was watching the documentary Once Upon a Time on Lee Trevino, he's from like West Texas. I'm like, why mm. were you so good at the British Open? He's like, well, we had a lot of windstorms, and I just get bored, yeah. and I just go practice in the windstorm. So it just it became kind of normal to me. You just realize certain people become normal at whatever their sport, whatever they're doing in these weird ways geographically, right? You're just, you, you become numb to it almost. Yeah, like a cold weather quarterback. Well, like like Tom, he's just whatever. He's fucking been in Ann Arbor and New England for 25 years. Think about that. He's like, well, he's from California. I also had an epiphany. The, the uh, Him and Julian Edelman, that, that video, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but... Think how much those two guys kind of have in common, even though they don't have that much in common. <laughs> like one guy was a blue chipper. I know he was drafted late, but Tom did go to Michigan. But they're both Bay Area guys. They both were drafted late. Then they have all these shared experiences at New England. Like yeah. they, they, they were just kind of destined. They, they, they were, you know, seven, eight years apart in age, but they ended up meeting up. And now they're just like best friends. It feels like that Julian Edelman's his best friend of the Patriot run. Is that, is that a fair statement? And it probably starts when you meet someone who's from your hometown, like, or your general area, like they're both from kind of the peninsula. You just, you have some, a shared bond. And then you factor all the other things. You won championships together. You were both late round picks. You both chip on your shoulder guys. You both can talk shit about championships together, right? Almost any play that Edelman made was also a play that Brady made. Walk off touchdowns that Brady's throwing you. Like what, like if you or me ever became buddies with like Tom or Julian, let's just hypothetically say, you could never, ever get close to your relationship, even if you became his neighbor or whatever, and you just you both like sports when, you know, in like 10 years, once they're retired. Or Julian might be a little longer, but Brady could be four or five years. You, your relationship would be capped on what you could build through because you would never have gone through that. Like at the end of the day, Julian Edelman had a walk-off touchdown that Tom Brady threw him, so when they're sitting there having a cocktail or fucking ordering pizza or just hanging out watching some TV at their house – they have a bond like people have, like when they have a kid together. I mean, it's just no one else can even relate to their bond. Yeah, it's 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 like blood brothers. Yeah, and Julian, blood, sweat, and tears, bro. And 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 we, you know this, John. And I said this the other day. We were talking about you know when when people do like the after work drink, they spend a lot of time just talking shit about work. Yeah. When you have a common boss that you have complaint that, that that when you have an experience, and I guess it's anything, but this is a boss is like this. An experience that other people just can't quite relate to. Other people are like, ah, why are you always complaining about your boss? Like, I don't. I need somebody who understands what I'm saying. How many people really have survived Bill long enough to see this whole, this whole just entire, uh, like their catalog of Bill memories is massive. Why? Well, I, I think the other two guys that come to mind would be like, well, Tom's boys with Rabel and he's boys with Welker. Well, Bill got rid of those two motherfuckers. <laughs> so at the like they're. Their opinion on Bill had a f- it just ended, right? They were just not around him anymore. Well, Edelman's just kind of survived. And I don't know, he just probably 
it's hard to say he's a better teammate than Vrabel. I mean, Vrabel was like a team captain, won three championships. But I, I, I do think that Bill likes Edelman more than Welker. Is that a fair statement? Feel, felt like he didn't love Welker for whatever reason. Welker yeah, was I a think little that's ca- ca- fair. counterculture. It, again, on on the Patriot level, like he's not a bad guy. He's a great. He's a, looks like a good coach. Was a winning player. Got along with Peyton Manning just fine. Like he's a high level guy, but he, even he had to draw the line. Like Belichick, fucking relax. Didn't he? He had some. Did he have some concussion issues? Or am I thinking of Amendola? Uh, I, I think Welker had a concussion issue. He had a famous line that he talked some shit about Rex Ryan. Remember, and it really pissed Belichick off. He said a comment after a oh. game about the feet or something. I just remember everyone's like, "Oh, this isn't gonna fly." Yeah, and they were already kind of button heads about like contract, and he wanted an extension. That was the end. All right, let's get into it, John. Uh, Recording this on Sunday afternoon, Tony Romo was the news of Friday. And there are a few elements to it, Michael Thomas's tweet. But Tony Romo, who I said a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago on the podcast, I think I said $15 million would be his number for Monday Night Football, ends up getting $17 million a year from CBS. And, and as what I read from the story, did you understand it this way? It never actually got to a negotiation. CBS had the right to match any deal, but I, I got the impression that it was really just CBS got to $17 million and and he said yes. Um, he was like equivalent of an RFA, though he was a free agent. They just had the first right of refusal on any, on any number. They could match any number, yeah, which I don't know, like, in this kind of deal, would that mean he'd be obligated to go back if they matched the number? But as you texted me, clearly this was the place he felt the most comfortable. Doesn't mean the money's irrelevant. Of course it doesn't mean that, but... This does feel like the fit for Tony Romo. You thought, though, that it was an overpay, right? Um, so where I am today is no, I don't think that. But I did think $17 million was just, it's wild. But no, I get why they did it. My first reaction was, was yes, though. It was like, dang, what? But when you just take a step back, like I told you, Monday Night Football was going to pay $15 million. To me, I think what probably why I reacted that way was for them to pay that much for non Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football. That was kind of the surprise to me is that but, somebody who's not on one of those two telecasts would get that. But their game but, does huge numbers. The CBS yeah, afternoon no, game. It's, I'm good. I'm to me. It's the more I thought about it, I, I, the more it's a no brainer to keep them. I don't know. I guess my reaction was like I don't think it really affects. I don't think it really affects your rating, but that's not what this is about. To, to me, on the most basic level, if you run a high-level company and you have, he's clearly immediately one of their top employees, this is before he got $17 million. I'm just saying the last several years, it was clear, like, you'd build a broadcasting team, if you're in the sports broadcasting world, around a guy like that, that you don't want to lose them to a competitor. So, yeah, $17 million, because people, are like, like you said, the ratings... If you there was that Ringer article on Fox when they got Madden or they got the right. NFL rights and they paid Madden and they realized that Madden did have a paid huge, him eight million dollars twenty five years ago so that's 20, like yeah twenty six years nineteen ninety four probably the even more than seventeen million now it might be like twenty twenty two million the equivalent at the time in ninety two someone told me that Madden owns real estate all over the Bay Area because think about in like the early nineties he was so fucking rich. You know, you, you do eight straight, you know, five straight years, eight million, you make $40 million. Like Barry Bonds 
what was Barry Bonds' contract when the Giants signed him in like '94? Wasn't it like five for forty-five or something? It wasn't that great. Like, and that was huge money. So, my my first reaction was simple: you just don't want to lose a top candidate to a competitive in a competitive industry. You want to keep your top people. And $17 million to a company that's doing billions of dollars, at the end of the day, I think it's easy to justify. It's not that much money. Then there are different elements of, well, that's a huge kind of, uh, not an ideal domino for ESPN and Monday night. Because like you said, you thought it was going to go to Monday night, and that you're not just pulling that out of your ass. You know people that know people, and you're hearing the shit. It was clear that ESPN wanted to hire Tony Romo and put him on yeah. Monday Night Football. And a big part of getting Tony Romo, right, to, on Monday Night Football, they want to expand their coverage, get better games. They, they've tried to, like, kick the pro-Kaepernick, you know, anti-NFL thing. And they've gone the other way these last couple of years, and it would have been a huge hire for them. Now, what the fuck do they do, guy? Like, Peyton Manning, I, Peyton Manning made so much more money than Tony Romo now, if they offer him $20 million to do Monday Night Football, why, why couldn't he do it for a couple years? Maybe he would, and that wouldn't be a bad, you know, fall. It's not, you, it wouldn't even be a fallback. They would just be forced. Like, they know Tony Romo's good. You, we all assume Peyton's going to be a superstar, but I, I would say he probably would say no. Uh, now, we've talked before, Drew Brees, some other guys coming down the pipe. But then there was the element that went viral. It was just retweeted, you know, countless times, and I just, I lost it. Mike Thomas's tweet about mm-hmm. not signing the CBA because a guy in the media is making more than players. Well, Mike, I mean, fuck, how do you know that me and Haberman don't make more than every rookie non-first-round pick, right? I mean, I started thinking about the people in the media that make way more than most NFL. 65% of players make less than a million dollars in the NFL. Adam Schefter makes like seven. Colin Kaepernick, or Colin Coward makes his profession basically talks NFL 75, 80% of the time, he makes way more than the majority of the league. I mean, countless guys in media make a lot more in players. It has nothing to do with that, Mike. It's simple. He was a free agent, supply demand. He's by far the best, and he got paid. It's not a reflection of the players or how much they're making. Like, this is a fucked up deal. It's a separate kind of industry, right? I'm making money off the NFL. I have nothing to do with the NFL players. Wait, what are you even talking? About? It was just, it was just stupid. Yeah, but it's just, but, but whatever. Like that doesn't even bother me. It's an emotional. I get why a player would have an emotional reaction. But I would like imagine that, a lot right? of players like him think that. I don't think he's. Yeah, alone. but that's what I'm saying. I don't. I, but that doesn't. To me, it makes sense. No, I, I, I get it. I, I just thought it was I put stupid. my body on the line. Nobody should make more than the guys putting their body on the line. Like that's how some players think. I get it. Right. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I I don't agree with it because I don't think it actually makes sense, but it makes sense that you would think that way. I would imagine a decent amount of players share his sentiments, right? Like this is crazy. A guy, sure, this guy's calling games and making more than like, how many NFL players make truly seventeen million dollars a year? It's yeah. got to be probably a fifty, not that many, right? You know, yeah, whatever. You know, probably fifteen quarterbacks. What do you think? Another 20 players? It might be less than 50, actually. Think about it. 17 is a lot in the NFL. This ain't the NBA. I mean, 17, that's a lot of cash. So I, I, well, I You told it, me he only... Sorry, finish that thought. Yeah, it's just I, I, I get where he's coming from, even though I, I, I snapped. Uh, well, I, you know, you retweeted. I thought you had a good tweet about it. And I think what you just said is basically what you tweeted, which is it's, it's just not relevant. But it is... 
I think it's every it got everybody's attention because it was seventeen million dollars, right? When you the the I would say the first thing that made me feel like it's a reasonable it it makes sense is remembering that Madden got eight million dollars per year in nineteen ninety four. You go well if you if if he was worth that then now you could argue I would guess an average game probably rated higher then relative just a percentage than it does now yeah but use the face of NFL broadcasting and I, you know the reason I thought he'd go to Monday Night Football was just because I I thought they were going to pay him fifteen million dollars I didn't really think about well is CBS just going to make it worth his while to stay um, but if you think about it for them what was he what, it, regardless of whether the stars aligned like they did for him, where Monday Night Football was there to leverage, the TV network's contracts are coming up, so they need to display stability towards the NFL or for the NFL because they want the Super Bowl and all that stuff back. And they know, like, if you're the NFL, Tony Romo is such a great brand for your sport. I don't know that they would have left CBS anyway, but the point is it made a lot of sense from a CBS standpoint. Um Partly just to keep him away from ESPN. I can I completely agree. And like you said, so how much do you think he was? Oh, how, what do you think he was making? Five, six million? Yeah. What was he going to make? Even if those other stars hadn't aligned for him, nine. When it came time to, they they when they when they swapped out Phil Sims for him, that was a major. It was a big now maybe deal. they maybe they knew it wasn't a risk, but it was a risk, right? Big time. Now internally, they might have just known he's going to be great. We did some test games. Nance is adamant he's the guy. You're going to go back to square one? And somebody wrote, um, I don't know if it was Deitch or Trania. Somebody wrote, like, it is just a great example. Like, who's your number two? Right? Like, just having a guy ready on your bench. Like, the first one I thought of was Fox College Football had. Now, this year, he went into the studio. But they had a clear, like, 1A, 1B, or 1-2 with Klatt and Brady Quinn. But, like, in the NFL... There's not really that um, for most networks. It's just hard. And we're, we've seen Monday Night Football. It's just hard to find. I, I was laughing to myself, like, if Witten never, if Gruden never leaves Monday Night Football and Witten never gets the job and that thing isn't open, like, how much money did Gruden make for Romo just by leaving Monday Night Football? How much money did Witten make for Romo by not being good enough to stick it out? Yeah, probably definitely helped. But I, I, I think Romo would have gone from 5 to 12, right? He probably would have got a huge extension. He would have made – so like he might have made him 5 or 6 million. Exactly. It's not you, – When you, you – they just – they just it's like nailing a pick. But 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 you don't let the guy walk. I think you hit on a good point. And I, I've had this take for a long time. College football analysts and definitely the broadcasters, like you said, Brady Quinn, Joel Klatt. And look at look at college for ESPN. You got Herb Street. Who does McDonough do it with? The Penn State quarterback who's really good. Blackledge. Yeah. You you they to be good at college and you do college games. It takes so much more effort. Even a guy like Jesse Palmer, the guy who's just good looking, he kind of mails it in. No, like he he can just talk about teams and players. You can fake it in the NFL. Oh, just Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. Just play the fucking hits in college. You can't really play the hits. Like you 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 move on from Joe Burrow. You start talking about their defense or Alabama's offense. You you got to know some more players, right? It it takes some effort. And I think college blows it out of the water. And that was my thing with Michael Thomas. And, like, Mike, the combine's going on right now. Every fucking year, there are reinforcements coming into the league. And I've been to these meetings. They will replace. I, I was, when I was at dinner, we ended up on the number 10 to 11 guys 
that you were just if your team's solid in a playoff team, you're not looking to replace. But the okay. the other That's interesting. the other you know so forty three guys on your roster, like kicker, punter, and spe- so it's probably forty plus. You would be open, you know, to making some moves. So just think about that. Open to making moves. And we just saw the combine. How many guys are at the combine? Guy three hundred fifty. I just just watch it all for the last four days. Just guy after guy after guy after guy after guy. They're all coming. Like how many guys get drafted out of the combine? It's like. 90% of these guys are getting picked. It might be higher. Like the major like there aren't going to be many guys that participated in this thing. They're not going to get drafted. So once you get drafted, you're in the mix. When you look at the NFL, who are the good analysts, guy? Like Romo shot was so good because I, I use this guy a lot. Like Dan Fouts stinks. But Tiki Barber has gotten better. <laughs> actually, he actually has. But like he he's not great. Like the, the ache, part of the reason I think like Aikman and Collinsworth and they, they do huge games, but they're just competent. Like they're just good and they really stand out because most guys are not good. The, the NBA is an epidemic. Like the, their guys suck. I mean, are awful. I'm talking about the analysts, not the play by play guy. They don't have any analysts. Romo was immediately better, but would he have got this much money? If Rivers and Breeze had just retired and been like, we'll, we'll call games, because you could hire immediately one of those guys for seven, eight million and it'd be a hit, right? If like CBS, like, oh, Tony, go to ESPN, we'll hire Philip Rivers, put him with Nance. They wouldn't skip a beat, probably. But those guys, they, they, that's not how it works. This is not, there's not an NFL draft or combine of analysts. They don't exist. It's like, yeah, Tiki Barber. Even like Lynch, John Lynch was just solid. He just left, he's just gone. I mean, Steve Kerr was the only NBA guy good, he's gone too. There's just not many well, good analysts, I, guy. When you being a great player guarantees you nothing as an analyst, obviously. That's stating the obvious. But if you were a great player or a Dallas Cowboys quarterback and you're a really good analyst, it puts you in extreme high demand. Extreme high demand. Right. And so but he got seventeen million not because he played quarterback for the Cowboys. He got seventeen million because he is he stands alone right but, now. But for example, well, it's 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 different than a game analyst. But like Lewis Riddick, why did Lewis rise so fast at ESPN and just become a staple in everything they did? Because the like who he's sitting next to, most of them stink. I mean, are awful. No one knew Lewis Riddick beside NFL people when he got that job. No one knew him. Like if, if I hadn't worked with him, I wouldn't have known him. You wouldn't have known of him. No one had known of him. And now it's just like Lewis, one of their best guys. Just because he can talk football coherently, he will fucking have strong opinions, and he can just have, like, he just, he can talk. That's another, can you just coherently talk, and then you sound like you know what you're talking about? And let's just be real, most guys can't. Or they get to the point where, and this happens a lot in the NBA, like, Reggie Miller can talk. I just, what's he even talking about? Like, this is just terrible, you know? And I think we get that a lot with football and basketball, even when their analysts, like, can just, are smart. Like most of these guys that are they're putting on TV are smart now, but like they're, they're just not very good. Like I, I just, I, just I, I think it's an easy job to do at an average level. Well, well put, very well put. So, would you say you analysts know, th- in general, just in general, just in yeah, sports? that's that's where things like the draft, things that are not easy to do at an average level, like you can't go into the draft with your average level of prep that you get through an hour show on when you really only have a few takes and they're all kind of things that you come up with in the pre-production meeting. That's where the draft separates, right? 
because and there it, are you just have to be ready at a moment's notice to talk about a particular just whoever. One hundred percent. And I think if you look at it from a player's point of view, if I'm like a corner for the Panthers, I can't just be at an average level for multiple years and keep my job, right? The other element of what we're talking about, if you are average, you just get exposed and you get you get replaced. Where in where I think you see a lot of analysts, and it's always my beef with the older guys, like does does Dan Faust just have a job till the day he dies? Because most people under 40 don't know anything about Dan Faust, the player. Hell, you can say 45. I don't know when his last year in the league was. He's like 68 years old. Do we just And part of it, I think once you kind of get in, you're just kind of set. Yeah, I mean, ideally it doesn't matter. Like I think with Romo, and really, particularly with Romo, it doesn't matter that he was the Cowboys quarterback now. It's irrelevant. No. Like he could have, like Romo, you know, could have been, like Orlovsky's rise would be an example of this, right? Orlovsky's playing career really has nothing to do with the fact that he's done a lot on ESPN, that he does a lot on ESPN. Now. When you say Dan Orlovsky, you what, think one thing. Yeah. But I, is his rise or is he just, is he on Twitter a lot? You know? Well, I mean, he went from being on Twitter a lot to calling games to calling more big games to being on every ESPN platform all you're, the time. That's, so that's fair. He's it on is a rise. Yeah, he, I'm just saying Romo's really good. Ideally, you shouldn't know. It shouldn't matter who. Like, the NCAA tournament's coming up. You're going to watch the NCAA tournament and be like, God, this is the 20th straight year I've seen Dan Bonner. I don't know anything about Dan Bonner, but I watch him on the NCAA tournament every year. Like, seems to know what's going on. But I gotta Google him, right? Good, good point. Grant Hill, you know who he is. But I'll but say it's irrelevant. I'll say this: some of my buddies in the NFL hate Dan Orlovsky. They just think he's cheeseball. But really? I, I'll give him the credit on this: he's well spoken. He feels like he knows his shit, and he's not afraid to take a stance. Like, will you have an opinion? That's another thing. Like a lot of NFL guys kind of won't do. It's like, well, what do you think? Is it, but you we, know what? That, like, you know, it's your buddy. Like, can is it good or not? Yeah. I also think opinions come from just doing your work. Like, I think if you do do the work, that's where opinions come from, or at least a conviction comes from. Yeah, but I think it's a hard part for former players when they know a lot of people in the NFL to, like, say things. I think that's always difficult. And you see it with coaches a lot, too. Like, are you just doing this because you need something to do for a fucking year? Because you're terrible. <laughs> like, you, you bring nothing to the table. I always have a soft spot. That, well, I that think, makes me angry for a coach like Jim Moore Jr., for example, who calls games for ESPN. Notorious asshole to the media. Treats him like shit. Moment he gets fired, boom, right to the media. It's like, bro, you're just... That's fraudulent to me. I, I, but again, maybe it's just personal with him. Not, not that he, he was actually cool to me. I just think that type stuff's like, come on. Give me a break. Like, at least Rex Ryan goes to the media. He was, like, media-friendly. He gave good talks. When Tomlin one day will do it. Like, I get it. Like I, Jim Moore, you were an asshole. Everyone thinks you're an asshole. And then you just, oh, media, oh, yeah, let's call a game. <laughs> what? But it's the way it works when you get famous. The, the guy, I think a lot of guys find out real quick you can't just talk about your experience for long. That only gets you through your first two telecasts. Yeah. Well, like if Belichick wanted to do TV, I think he'd be pretty good because he could talk. A well, lot I've about seen him do TV; he's fantastic. But he, <laughs> yeah. but he doesn't, right? He talks about all these other. He geeks out about Ed Reed and yeah. offensive linemen that died before any of us were born. Well, don't you think that's why Mayock was such a good draft analyst? Because 
he just would be able to talk about every player that came through. He'd just be able to talk about in depth about him. You'd be like, God, you just learn shit watching him. And then he'd have strong opinions. He'd have he's well spoken. He was kind of the total package. That's why I think he's been pretty good in the league. Yeah, I have a soft spot. I think for older analysts because they they've got the accumulation of the most good stories. And I think some there is an art to that that has been, I shouldn't say an art, but there's just an element that I think it's lost a little bit now because so much evaluation gets done. Just it's all about film study and the analytics, not even the analytics, just the numbers, which is all legit. But I, I want a guy just be able to tell me some stories about some shit that happened that I didn't know. Like that's just, that's all I want. And to have a and to have a handle on today's football. I'm not saying that's all I want. That's not well said. But I, you have to have a handle on today's football. But I want I, there are a lot of guys out there to me that are really good at some of the other stuff. But I just want you to be able to tell me some stories too. Like that's that I think matters. Like just. Like that's where Mayock is so elite. Fine balance. Fine balance. Yeah. Oh, so good. He was really good on the on the combine. He was. But he doesn't work for the NFL Network anymore, John. No, he doesn't. He works for the Oakland Raiders, which we'll get to coming up. But first, we tell you this podcast is brought to you in part by Ashford University. Convenient and flexible. That's what Ashford University's online master's degree programs are. They allow you to learn at your own pace. When you go to ashford.edu slash ham. Yep, guy. Ashford.edu slash ham. Uh, one course at a time. Ashford University, six-week long courses allow you to take one course at a time. Think about that. You're enrolled. You're still a full-time student. No standardized test required. The SAT, the GRE, the GMAT, mm. you name it. Mm. Don't have to touch it. It's great for people like me and you because we ain't passing those tests. They're Amen. not required to enroll at Ashford University. The accreditation, Ashford University is fully accredited by WASC, Senior College and University Commission. So you, you get a legit degree, master's, uh, and you're just off and run. Also, they offer up to 90 transfer credits if you've already started but didn't finish. Get ready to grab new opportunities. Start your master's degree today. Enroll now by going to ashford.edu slash ham. That's Ashford. .edu slash ham to start your master's degree today. That's ashford.edu slash ham. Um, so like you said, there are not always people that the media, the public, and the insiders agree are good. Uh, but Mayock is one of those guys. It was uh, I love the combine in part just because we get Mayock is MIA publicly for most of the year. And then he comes out in the combine, Johnny's the same guy. Just like doing back. He loves backstory. Like, he loves backstory on players, but he also geeks out over all the measurables. Like it's, I miss the man, but he's the GM of the Raiders, which is a good thing for the Raiders. Yeah, I, I it's good. I, I agree. I, I think he brings so much credibility to them, and watching him in the booth with DJ and Rich and a lot of I, John Lynch went in there too, and he was seamless. And I, I didn't see Belichick, but I would, I would imagine if he went in there, he'd hold court too. I think it brings a light like <clears throat> it's kind of crazy. The Trent Balkies and the Reggie McKenzie's like Trent at least would talk every once in a while. Reggie couldn't refuse to. Like I don't think it's possible to have those guys in the position anymore. You don't need to be a media guy. Like Mac legitimately was just a media guy turned football general manager. Now it was very unique, right? Because he wasn't like an analyst. Like he was he was the draft guy. Like, that was his baby, doing the draft. So he basically, probably, you could justify it, he'd been a college scouting director for 15 to 20 years, right? 
He had been going to pro day. So the transition, not as unique as like Dan Orlovsky just becoming a assistant GM next year or something like that would be kind of crazy. For Mayock, he did have a lot of experience. Every guy in the league, he'd probably drafted, right? Or I mean, evaluated. Like I think yeah. he started in the early 2000s. So maybe a couple older guys like the Brady's of the world, but the I'd, I'd say at this point in time, the moment he got hired, 98 99% of the league, like he talked about or wrote up or came across his desk. And it just, he brings them a lot of credibility because the one thing I constantly heard in Indy is like, God, I hope Gruden just lets Mayock pick the players and he just coaches mm. them. But Gruden's crazy and he gets involved. But there, there were some good shots, you know, when like a guy runs a 40 and they're going to break. And then they do kind of a montage of like, they'll be like Mike McCarthy eating a sandwich, smiling. And then they'll be like Gruden and, and, uh, and Mayock holding court. Then they'll be like Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge not saying a word. You know, they do that little thing. And then as they go to break, every t- they do a lot of Mayock. And it's part of, I mean, they have a special, they like him, right? He's part of their crew. But every time you go to him, you're like, he was smiling when Isaiah Simmons ran the 439. He's just, he's a big part of just, what if I was a if I was a that owned a team, my guy has to be able to to be media friendly. Like it's a media friendly position, and I, I see it at the combine. Like all the coaches that can talk, that's a big. That's why Gettleman gets destroyed because he just can't deal with the media. I mean, Reggie couldn't talk, guy. He couldn't do it. Refused. Like you, you can't do that anymore. Those days are done. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would insist my guy can do it too, because at, you, you're, if you're in charge, you have to be a communicator and the odds are your coach might be the one that hired you, not the other way around. You don't get to rule with an iron fist. A lot of GMs like that's not John Lynch's job. That's not Mike Mayock's job. No, it's not. A lot of these guys are not that guess who is Gettleman. Gettleman is in charge. He gets the rule with an iron fist. He just happens to be in that market in New York. Um, but don't you but think that's don't you generally think it, not the job? Don't you think it helps Kyle and Lynch, who are ultimately decision makers, when they want to, they are just fantastic. Especially even Kyle for the couple years when he was bad, it was like God. How can you not like this guy? It was just really, really impressive. That that had to help him, right? Just with fans and well, people just consuming him. He was just yeah, so and it's likeable. clearly hurt. Gettleman. It's really hurt Gettleman. Like, I would say Washington's a great example right now. Like, Ron, all of a sudden, Washington just feels like I have, I don't, yeah, I would say this. I do have some faith in Washington just because Ron Rivera has been a guy that I know can handle his shit. I agree. Right? Good or bad. He's had, and he's had some situations with Cam and just with that organ. Like, they've had some bad, he's just had to handle business. Um, maybe, maybe Jack's meant, guy, he was the number two with Peyton Manning. And they were good. Like he's a maybe Jack's a really good number two because he's not a terrible number one, right? He's by no means probably as bad as people think about him. But if that's your one two, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, like that's just two guys that can fucking hold court, football wise and just credibility wise. Yeah, you you need somebody who the most credible people are willing to talk to. Because as we've talked about before, right, the Niners, I think that was such a great, it's one of the reasons we don't talk about it a lot anymore, but I think one of the things that gave everybody on the outside confidence in Kyle Shanahan was Bill Belichick chose him. Like Bill chose 
Kyle Shanahan. That's who we called first about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I think that was something, one of the first indications that Kyle was pretty well respected yeah. by people in the NFL, right? Um, and Mike obviously immediately had that. Now, he doesn't talk a ton, but even like when Gruden talks, he's great at it. Yeah, Gr- Gruden's made for it. Gruden's made for it. So many teams, too, now, because you do your own media, you put your own guy up on your own website, right? You do like, in, like John Lynch might talk when there's no like true media around. It's just a team that's putting something out. It's it's, John, it's almost a little more college. It's like John, right? It's almost a little more athletics director. John, kind of response. John, how have you become the best general manager in the league? John, how have you hit on all these picks? Like all the all the uh, like the one on ones are always the same. John, tell us about Debo Samuel's great season. Mike, tell us about Max Crosby. It's like, well, what about Cleveland Farrell? Right? There well, you did you? Well, you know what though? Because Barrows wrote, you know, the Niners won whatever that award was at the combine for best draft of best the draft, year. Yeah. Barrows wrote, presumably they just edged out the Raiders. That was like part of the Barrows story. It was like he thought the Raiders might have been second in that award. I would imagine they were really high up there. If Cleveland Farrell had been Devin White, you probably would have had to give it to the Raiders. Like if they would have got like nailed that pick too, how would they not have won it? You could. It really is a credit to them that they're in the situation they were without him being close to that. Yeah, you could argue the reason they didn't win it was Cleveland Farrell because what's his name? Uh, the guy that looks like me and you, the little slot receiver, was uh, Renfro was unreal. Crosby was like Khalil, the white Khalil Mack. Josh Jacobs looked like, uh, you know, Earl Campbell. <laughs> it was just it was Cleveland Farrell. It was terrible. Really, Abram wasn't healthy. Yeah, like John says, he leads the league in interviews. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, a, I mean, that's I, a great line. I think what Mayock, the guy, though, had, gave them instant credibility. Mayock's... But I think people did kind of sit back, right, Middlecoff, and go, okay, let's see him draft. Like, we, you know, everyone did the charts of, like, how his draft, who he said he would have drafted and his big boards over the years and all that. But then his draft just looked, was solid. He's going to get another chance. Like, this, you could argue this draft, if Mayock nails, if they nail some picks again, I, I don't, you know, because Gruden has a long contract, nothing's changing anytime soon for the Raiders, but. Is Mayock going to be Mayock, like a multi-job GM if for whatever reason he's not the Raiders GM for the next decade? Well, I, I'll tell you this, guy. If Mayock like quit or like they had a bad falling out, wouldn't NFL teams now be a lock to go after Mike Mayock to run their team? How would he not? Yeah, it's hard to find a scenario where he's still here. I mean, in Vegas, but Gruden's not. Yeah. Like, but is there eight years from now, is there like Mike Mayock fires Dryden Gruden? You're like, wait a second. I thought Gruden was in charge. <laughs> That probably seems that a scenario little, is hard. Yeah, that scenario seems unlikely, but I, I think you were on to something I hadn't even thought of. If they broke up tomorrow, I think countless teams in the NFL would hire Mike Mayock to be their general manager without hesitation after a year. I was thinking about this when hearing you call or talk. Remember the thing that really bothered guys? Like uh, They never put their name on it, but I'll just assume like a George Patton, the guy for the uh, Vikings that's interviewed for like the last 10 years, can't get a job. When guys like Mayock and Lynch get the gigs, they're always like, they didn't put in the time. It was like, yeah, that's your fucking problem. You, you've been beating the bushes. They didn't have to. This is not, it'd be one thing. It's like, uh, we're going to build, we're going to knock down the Golden Gate Bridge. We're going to build a new Golden Gate Bridge. And Gavin Newsom is in charge of hiring the guy that's going to build a bridge. He picks 
dude that just graduated, Cal Poly. Property brothers. Cal Poly architect, 23-year-old John Williamson from Sonoma. And it's like, that guy's, people be like, oh, that's kind of crazy, right? You should go with like a go-to. But I, I'm sorry, guy. Football is not that fucking complicated. Now, I do believe it is as a coach. Like, you can't just all of a sudden dude becomes a head coach. It's why it never really happens. And it's why when some guys get chances kind of out of nowhere, it goes, is this really going to work? But I think as a general manager, and Sean McVay, probably the craziest, would you say, head coaching hire of like maybe ever. We just got 32 years old, hadn't really been a coordinator. Maybe he was 31 when he was hired. Like, it was pretty bold. Like, <laughs> crazier. That one, that one crazier than Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, but he, he had been a head coach and been producing. How about the guy players. who was like uh, Warren Buffett's guy who became the head coach of like that college team? Or was he an OC? Yeah, that, but that was still, I think he, didn't he start at like the UFL? Yeah, it's crazy, but he's at Coastal. No, no, yeah, you might be on. He's at I, Coastal Carolina at the end of the day. I, I, my point, though, is, like, you can't... It's why, like, whenever you hear, like, Marshall Falk used to always say this, I just want to be a head coach. Well, Marshall, no one's going to fucking hire you to be a head coach. It's just too insane. It is an insane job. A general manager, not that insane. Now, it's intense for contract negotiators, but unless you're, like, Howie Roseman, you got people doing that. And even Howie has Jake Rosenberg. Now, Howie can just, if he had to, negotiate it himself. But, like, John Lynch ain't negotiating a contract. John Lynch is not running the college deal. Like, they have a college director. They got Adam Peters, do the pro personnel. He's just kind of the CEO of it all. It's not that Mike, I would say, probably way more involved hand-to-hand, day-to-day scouting than John Lynch. And I'm not trying to take anything away from John Lynch. You and I both like him, and I think he works at his job. And from what I've heard, he's a fucking grinder. He's there nonstop. They have to tell him, like, John, you can go home. But it, it is just, and even Mike would say, I think there was an article Tafer wrote when Mike first got the job. His first hire was like he jacked a guy from Roseman and Joe Douglas, like one of their pro guys. That he thought was like the best pro guy in the league and brought with them. Like you are, you can have a lot of help. Now you can as a head coach too, but at the end of the day, you are controlling more as a head coach. Like you could argue that John Lynch and Mike Mayock, they ultimately can be overruled in a draft room or free agency. Like it's not, they're not even the decision maker. I mean, they might. Like, Kyle might let John make the pick, or John might let Mike make the pick, but they don't have to. So it's it's not that kind of diminishes, like, guy, I, I, anyone could have done my job. Like, now, I, I was passionate about football. I liked it. it was, I was around a lot of smart people that taught me a lot. But it wasn't like, not 90, you and I could not be architects, no matter what. If Guy Haberman really wanted to put his mind to it, you could be an NFL scout. You could be a basketball scout. Like, that's just possible. Like, that's a fact. It's just a fact. It doesn't mean how good you're, I don't know, you might miss some players or whatever, but you could do it. Like, you, you could not, you could not, if me and you wanted to run a VC firm, like, probably not. But if you wanted to just be the Southwest scout for the Jaguars, you could figure it out. So, so I always, I would, I always like push everybody back else, guy, John. I would just nail some guys, and I would whiff on some guys, right? Just like everybody else who's listening to this podcast could nail. Just there's some guy out there who just, you know, uh, was, went to San Diego State. Listen to the podcast right now. Who, when the Seahawks drafted that running back, was like, "Dude, you guys are crazy," right? One hundred percent. What's like, the guy's name? Uh, Rashad Penny. Yeah. But they, in the first round. But there are guys like. I, I had to go to Fresno State, and then even when I got to the Eagles, like I was around Lewis every day, learning shit. I, it's not like I just 
hit the ground. Like I was taught stuff, and I right. naturally had the mind. So if you were getting to a position where you can learn for two or three years, it's it's a pretty easy job. <laughs> and easy is the wrong word, but a very a very capable job. If then you have the work ethic and you truly love it, to become pretty good at it. Like it's I don't think that's true. Now I've only worked in sports. But some of these other businesses seem a little more complicated than football. So whenever that guy gets, I can't believe, you know, like when Rap Sheet will be like, rumblings in league circles. People are pissed off that they, they didn't get their shot. I'm sorry. It's just like, yeah, this isn't, that's, that's on you, you know? Like this, it's not crazy to get, I would hire Mike Mayock over the guys that don't get the job. I'm, you're right, I, Mike Mayock. I don't know how the breakup it, 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 for him just become like a free agent, but if he did become yeah. a free agent, I think he solidified himself. Guy of like, well, like the New York Giants would they think how fast they'd get rid of Gettleman for Mike Mayock, right? Yeah, I don't know if they would recognize that, but well, I'm just saying, yes. like, if Gettleman got fired and Mayock was available now, given that he clearly can do the job, he would he would get another job overall, and then these guys would be really mad. And He's if you're him, two jobs. That's what makes him unique, right? Is it's not he didn't you get the sense that he grinded just as hard when he worked in TV as when he's the GM. So you might as well just be the GM of a team. Um, Good, great point. No, it's, I think the headline is here we are now. We're through Mayock's second combine, and it's going pretty damn well. Yes, it's going pretty well. Um, all right, now the other part of this is obviously the quarterback aspect. Vic Tafer wrote about this. A few things. It seems like every couple of days there's been a car story that's not just. Somebody on NFL Network debate, like there was a debate, and here's the top 10 quarterbacks you take over. It's not, they're not BS fluffy stories. Tafer wrote a few things. Um, Brady's people reached out to the Raiders and the Chargers, according to NFL Network and Indy. I'm told it was more of touching base than a discussion of intent or to start negotiations. Brady can start with a new team March 18th when free agency starts. There was some talk of having interested teams visit him then, but it sounds like Brady would get a head start on this and move quickly. That would also help some teams like the Raiders, who would prefer to trade Carr before free agency for maximum value. The Raiders are not shopping Carr, but they have placed him in the window with a pretty display. I think a second-round pick gets it done. Vic Tafer. Well, Kawakami kind of added to that. He thought that they would, because Vic didn't really say it like this, they would just get rid of him for a second-round pick, even to start over. Right to just reset, even if they don't get Tom Brady, which would be pretty jarring if they didn't get Tom Tom Brady. God, it's I forgot. Today's March first. I mean, we're not that far. We're seventeen days away, right? For this, like he he could. Yeah, and really, we're we're there's that that early tampering period begins. I think on the sixteenth. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he has traded in the next thirteen fourteen days, right, John? That week could that's also the first week of the NCAA tournament. Could be an incredible sports week. Brady leaves, car traded, just some crazy shit eight, going on. The eighteenth, I think, is a Wednesday, which is the second day of like the quote unquote opening rounds. Good point. God damn. Yeah, March eighteenth is Wednesday. So like Thursday morning we could wake up and Brady's having a meeting with the Titans and the tournament begins. But I'll give you one. Is it unrealistic to be like by the end of this week the Raiders have a Agreed to trade Derek Carr to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you still think that's a pretty big stretch? Without, they don't, and it's like, well, what about Tom? Like, they don't have an answer yet. To me, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. 
Well, they, especially like if you're exposing yourself to not having a quarterback potentially because you can get a second round pick now. But they, they could sign they, they could sign Jameis or a Tannehill pretty quickly, right? Though. Yeah, yeah, you could. There and we've talked about it. There are a lot of guys on the open market. Even just Mariota draft a guy. Like they could do a lot of different shit. You could, but it's like, how many of those guys do you really? No, I, I know. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying it's not. Well, guy, there's one quarterback on the open market. It's Mike Glennon. You know, it's not one of those years. Like, boom, you could just sign yeah. Jameis to a one-year, $25 million deal, draft Jordan Love, kind of just go in a different direction. Just kind of reset and pivot. The I, question I, is... I think that's kind of on the table, a pivot. A pivot's fine, but when your first move is that... Now, look, if you prefer Jameis, then yeah. Then, or if you prefer... Tannehill would be tough because he might end up back. But if Brady were to go to Tennessee, why wouldn't the Raiders? They might value Tannehill more than Derek, just for a just for one one year situation. I think it was Vic that wrote this too. The other wild card, the other element that would keep Derek in Oakland in a situ or an LV (laughs) uh, in a situation like that is what would you have to pay? What would the contract with Tannehill look like? If there's multiple teams interested in Tannehill, whereas Derek is 19 million a year under and contract, it is pay as you go because all the guaranteed money is already paid. Probably the best thing Derek has going for him right now. Like Albert Breer told us, he is a true. Yeah, month if he wants lead. to stay, but honestly, the best thing for him might not be to stay. Going to Tampa might be a great situation for him. No, I'm saying on the Raider side, like why are you yeah. giving up that luxury unless someone's blowing you out of the water and you know you're getting a guy. Because why would you? Let's say you were forced to give Tannehill fifty million dollars guaranteed. Like, is it is that risk worth it? To me, it's not like are you? I'm not even sure you're upgrading. You might. I don't. Well, if I had to bet, he, I, he was better. I, I thought he was pretty know. good. But you're right. Uh, the, but I mean, it's, to me, it's a coin flip. Like Tannehill might just resort back. Might not be as good. Where at least you know if your team was just better, you might be able to get to nine, ten wins with Derek. I. I will, though, not be blown away with as much talk for this has been going on now a while, guy, if it's just, boom, he gets traded. Like, You're right. I guess we shouldn't be. Because th- there is, is it just because he's the easy target right now, or does this feel kind of like nuts? Just, it's becoming more tangible by the day that there is something yeah. there. Yeah. I, I think what makes him unique is that you could have a conversation, because we have it all the time. Is there something more? Is there something more that somebody else can get out of them? Well, if you're Tampa, for example, would you rather have next year Jameis or Derek Carr? Um, you got, and you got to factor in money too, so you probably have to re-sign Jameis at a number you probably wouldn't be totally comfortable with. Well, you can get Derek. You just can inherit this month-to-month, year-to-year deal. Yeah, I now, but it might cost you a second-round pick. Yeah, that's true. You got to factor that into. My first reaction couldn't you get, is Derek. Couldn't you get him for a third, don't you think, when the dust yeah. settles, if they were willing to give him up? Depends how many teams. What te- like the Dalton, the Dalton Bears conversation. Like, the Bears might not be willing. They might just they might not be willing to do that yet. Bears might not be willing to get Carr? Y- yeah, are they not willing to just give well, up on Trubisky I, I, yet? Well, I think it's, it's a double whammy. I think the Dalton for them, they might be able to get Dalton for like a fifth-round pick and get his number down to about $10 million. With Derek, he does make $20 million to get him back. 
especially because of the elephant. I mean, they already got Khalil. I think you'd have to like give back that four, pick 45 or whatever that pick swap is. Would you rather just get Dalton from way cheaper and not give up a huge asset with Mitch or try to overextend for Derek, who actually might not be good in the cold? Like, there is a lot of risk involved with getting Derek. Like, he's not just, while he's better than Mitch, when you factor in the cold, it's not just a for sure thing, right? That he would just be good there. Yeah. They do have five quarterback coaches, though. Seven, I think. <laughs> well, How many of them are bald? Well, <laughs> I think just one. But oh, N- Nagy's, Nagy told me he's not coaching the quarterbacks or anything anymore. He's just going to be the offensive coordinator and just kind of overseer. Where last year he felt like he was, without taking a shot at his, I don't even know who the coaches were that he fired. But had he, just, he, just, he, put, he was more hands-on than he wanted to be. Yeah, became a little overwhelmed. The other thing Vic Tafer wrote was this. The Raiders were high on Jalen Hurts even before he ran a 4-5-9-40 and threw well Thursday night. I think he's a running back. Do you think he's a quarterback? Uh, Well, I think he's going to be a quarterback, yeah. You think he's going to play quarterback in the NFL? Yes. He might start yeah, I'm out not there. Saying, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter. I'm not saying he's going to be a 10-year pro, but... I think he's going to somebody's team as a quarterback. I think a lot of teams are going to draft him as an athlete. I'm not saying that some team might not. Like, maybe the Raiders do think he's a quarterback. I, I don't. I, I do. You think he's viewed like, uh, who would you compare him to right now? Is he a rich man's... Uh, he's like Taysom Hill, but he, but, Taysom. but I think he legitimately could be just like a thousand-yard back guy. He's fast. How elusive he is in the open field. Like, you just teach him running back. He could just be... I have friends in the league that think he could be like a top seven or eight running back in the NFL. He's a backup quarterback. He could just be a start, and he might not even be. It might be really ugly because he's not a power arm guy. So, like, in the preseason, running with the threes, it could look bad. Where it's like, bro, you could just be a starter for, like, the Patriots, you know, or the Seattle or whatever. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, I don't think he's a starting NFL quarterback. I don't, but I, I don't think, I think he's I don't getting think he's drafted. An, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. You don't think he's a backup quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think he could do some stuff in packages, but I don't. If you had to start him, like if you're, he's your backup quarterback, like uh, the way it happened for the Jags, where they had Foles, and then it just turned out Minshew was the better than whoever else was on the roster in the preseason. He became the backup quarterback. Yeah. If you got into a situation where it's like we got Joe Burrow and our backup, I'm just using this as a random example. Our backups, Jalen Hurts, a couple rookies. I, that'd be weird, but you just or let's say he's the backup for. This is probably better. Kyler Murray, you know, they they got the dude from UCLA, right? Hunley was last year because they want – you want to have the same type quarterback. So they go, we'll have Kyler Murray and we'll have Jalen Hurts. They were like friends. <laughs> if Kyler Murray, you know, hurt a shoulder and was out for a month, I don't think he could win a game with Jalen Hurts. That's probably – You might be right. I, I guess my answer is based on this. I think somebody's going to draft him with the intent of seeing if he can be their quarterback. Or their backup quarterback. But you, something you, like you that. could counter me. You go, well, Trace McSorley is, I guess he technically wasn't even the backup because RG3 was. Actually, I don't really hate. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't the Cardinals be interested? Wouldn't you? That's an interesting you one. Yeah. Just, but probably it's like, is it, what's it going to cost us? Our second round, our third, our, not our second, but is it going to be a third? Is it going to be a fourth? I, like, again, I think somebody's going to draft him with the intent to see if, the, if he can be there, well, if he can be a quarterback. I think if he said, I'm a running back, I want to be a starting running back in the league, who's to say he wouldn't go, like, pick 50 to 70 somewhere in there? Because he is a unique athlete, right? Yeah. I don't know if he can catch. 
I just, if you told me the Raiders drafted him in the third, just to see what he could be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against that. And what I when I say see what he can be, I mean can he be a quarterback? He's got no chance to beat out Derek. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying. I, I it just like if, I don't think Vic just is. I I think there's a reason Vic. Right? No, I I agree. I mean he's for sure heard. If if you if third round, I know the Niners don't have a third round pick. I said the yeah, Niners two, took Jalen Hurts. What would you be like? Oh, they're going to use him at other positions, right? I'd be like, didn't they draft him last year? Oh, the Jalen Hurd. <laughs> Kyle, I don't think hearing him talk is too bullish. Like, yeah, he's basically, I don't know. Dude can't. Dude's hurt. Back, I mean, yeah. back problem? Yeah. Not ideal. Ask Steve Kerr. Um, all right, John. How about Deion Sanders? Speaking of, uh, we, we got to do this for a second here. So, Deion, this is, this is Sunday on NFL Network. Deion had a few things we'll talk about, but... Uh, this was one of them. Where do you think Brady's going, Prime? You know what? I have a theory. What do you got? You want you, you, you will you indulge indulge me, everyone? Okay. If it was me, yes. This is this is you know the owner Prime. Okay. Brady, San Francisco, man. Somebody trade Garoppolo. Garoppolo back to New back England. To New England. Oh, back to why? Why not? Okay, let me tell you something. San Francisco has a window of opportunity. You as well as I know that window closes expeditiously. You got to seize it right now. I love Garoppolo. Trust me. Tom Brady's the quarterback in the Super Bowl. I feel like there's a different outcome. You got two years, man. Get it done. I would do it. You give New England what they want. You give San Fran what they want. Jeff Okuda. Or five flat. Could you imagine if that happens? Jeff Okuda is that the guy? Uh, that'll shake it up a little bit. Well, I mean, that would be easily the most earth-shattering way for that to finish up. But it's a great finish, three weeks. isn't it? <laughs> think about it. Just point you know, to the thought. You know, Brady would love to wind up there. Uh, thank you. Tell him Back why, home. Rich. Why? Back home. He's Brady in the would, home. Brady would love to Tell wind up there. It's home. It's the team he grew up playing yes. for. And it's a team that was just in the Super Bowl. I'm just throwing that out, man. That's, that's just the owner prime. You know, just owner prime. That's owner prime. I would love owner prime. to. I, in retrospect, I, I wish he was the Florida State football coach. When he first said it, I thought Rich was laughing, and it turns out a dude's just running. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Jeff Okuda the corner from Ohio State? Yeah, who later hit his head, neck, while making a sweet diving catch, and prime told him, Shut it down. Yeah, I think he's – most people have him mocked, like, top six, seven. Like he's the best corner in the draft. He's good. Here's my – He ran a 448. Uh, 448? Uh-huh. So, you know, you'd like it a little faster to be a super blue-chip guy. But I also think sometimes, it really – before getting to prime, we expect everyone – it feels like 40s is like inflation. Because now I see, like, ah, oh, 459, slow. Like, man, that used to be kind of fast. For No, I'm like – you know, like a running back runs four five nine. Like that's fast. I think that's ah, slow. <laughs> and that, there's a lot of guys running like the four threes now, or even low four fours. These guys are getting faster. But my main issue with Prime's take, which would be the he's great on the combine. By he's the way. he's made for it. He's made for it. It would be the craziest story. He's right. I mean, probably in NFL history if that happened in the in the sequence sign him traded him back to new england 
here's my red flag on the situation. I cannot do a deal with Bill Belichick that I know that he would he would do in a heartbeat. Like if that option was on the table for right now, if that was his option, like all the options for Belichick, he would choose that one. I get Jimmy back, who's under contract at basically a year to year for the next four years, and I get rid of Tom. This guy already knows my offense. Fuck I I think Belichick guy would do that so fast your head would spin. And I can't do a deal when I know that Belichick wants to do the deal desperately. Belichick, whose goal every year is to win the Super Bowl, right? Don't you think he would do that deal of all the possible outcomes right now if I told him you can bring Tom back yeah. or you can have Tom sign with the Niners and they trade you Jimmy back? Yes, he would do that deal. and It would be his number one deal. Here's, here's the other question, John. If... If we're going to play out Dion's situation, <laughs> this I think is the true question. This is a question of humanity, of honor. Is Kyle Shanahan obligated, if the Niners sign Tom Brady, to give Bill the first chance to trade for Jimmy? I think so. I think so too. It's the honorable thing to okay, do. Okay, let's keep, what, but, let's but keep what going down this road. Somebody gives him a better offer. What would Jimmy be worth on the open market? Would John Gruden get rid of Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, like trade his first round pick? Like trade 19 for Jimmy Garoppolo. Get rid of Derek. Uh, yeah, I think he would. Unless he's intending to like trade up to get Herbert or something. Yeah. I think he'd have a But mark. yeah, I think he's worth the first round. I mean, he's definitely worth a first round pick on the market, right? Well, he got traded as an unknown for a second and then led a team to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I think a lot of time, people at the time thought, like, well, the Browns would have given you a first-round pick for him. You know, whatever. His vibe, that was before he'd even played. I would not so, do that deal as the, as the Niners. And I get what Prime's saying. I don't even think he's crazy. If you said Tom Brady was the quarterback and him and Kyle worked together, could they win a Super Bowl? You'd say yes. But I, they can win a Super Bowl right now with Jimmy Garoppolo. They just got there. They had a lead with seven minutes to go. They, he's just... Was Jimmy the problem in that game, or did he just have some moments as the game got away? Like, the ultimate problem was they had a third and 15, and the, the corner fucked up. He just fucked up. I heard from multiple people. He, they, 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 you know what I was told at the combine? They had gone over Wasp at practice. At, at practice. Ugh. And even Coach Reed, when I was talking to him, he's like, it's, a, it's an innate at playing that position at third and 15, you're going to break on the guy breaking at the sticks. And the other thing, it's not like, well, who's breaking at the sticks? Was it Haberman? It was Sammy freaking Watkins who had been making some plays. So it's not, it's an understandable screw up. You know, sometimes where it's like, it happened to the Raiders for years. Like, is there a DB? Do they even have DBs? Like, where are their DBs? This was one of those that was kind of bang, bang. And when you saw the all 22, you're like, I. I get it. Like I, you put cheese in front of a mouse. You know what the mouse is going to do. Yeah, I. And that's Andy built cheese. That play had cheese built into it. If, if, if a report came out this week, that's Tom Brady wants to sign with the Niners. I think most people would say, "Let's not do it." Most fans, or do you think? Yeah, I'm saying Niner fans. Do you think most Niner See, fans? I, well, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I think we. I do feel like we have skewed more positive on Jimmy than most people. I would say if we broke it up into tiers, we have skewed on a more positive side. Do you think that do you think Kyle Shanahan would do that? Seriously, just 
Would Kyle Shanahan want to do that? Not not trade Jimmy I back do, to Belichick, but I just mean, I mean if he could trade him easily. So would he, if Tom said he was I, in, would they get rid of Jimmy for Tom? I think he really likes Jimmy. I do think he likes Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he would seriously consider. I think he'd consider signing Tom. I think he might too. It would be a historic moment for, for just the whole thing, right? Is that an opportunity like too good to pass up, or can you take a step back and go? Because I, I I would just keep saying this in the room if we were discussing it. Forty three, right? It to me if he was yeah. thirty eight, like if he was Rivers' age, I think you might have to do it. But forty three is crazy, guy. Don't you think he's better than Rivers right now? Yes, but but I, I th- th- it's still the age though. These guys are so, the, the average age no, of their team is like twenty four years old. Here's what I think the argument in his head might be. I am confident, and I think we're all pretty confident that Kyle Shanahan can call the plays that put a team in position if they execute the plays to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. And I think he would be con- he'd have to be confident that the plays he calls Tom would execute properly. Or get him in the right spot, or just do whatever needs to get done. Now, there's also the, his offense is really complicated. Tom has his own offense. What do they yeah, do there? have to be, I know, that's a legit question. And it's a major question, because it's his offense, yeah. right? Kyle's not like, you know what, Kyle's just scrapping the offense. What's their point of difference right now? Kyle's offense. That really is the nice point of difference, his offense. Well, Tom doesn't really run that off- offense. Now, he, they do the similar principles, like... What was Matt Ryan's big thing, remember, at first? It was like, you know, he wasn't comfortable in the play action turning his back to the defense. Well, Tom's done that. But I'd have to go back and really break it down. It does feel like Tom lives a lot more in the shotgun now. Just when you just think about Brady games the last three, four years, doesn't it feel like they kind of a glorified spread? Just spread it out, mm-hmm. shotgun. Mm-hmm. He, he does a lot of work in the shotgun because they're getting quick hitters. He's not... You watch the Patriots, it's not a lot of like stretch zone, play action, turn back, throw deep. Because they're running five-yard fucking out routes to Julian Edelman. You could argue from a player standpoint, which is crazy. I, I think Tom Brady's the GOAT. Might not be an ideal fit. When you, when you factor also in the urgency to try to win this year, bastardizing the offense to kind of come to some mutual agreement of the two offenses. It's a little more complicated talking it out than I even assumed. But you agree, and I'm not saying I think Kyle would do it, but I think he would have to think about it. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't doesn't ever? Wouldn't you have to think about it? I think you'd get Tom on a phone call and just have a a conversation with him. Might last an hour, but you'd be you just talk to him. I, yeah, <laughs> you, you you wouldn't be doing yourself a disservice to not have the conversation with Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, John. Before we get to some headlines, we got some really good headlines. Let's just tell the people that this podcast is brought to you in part by. Untuck it. Untuck it. Middlecoff was wearing, he was a walking billboard for Untuck it at the Combine last week. He went from work to night hangout seamlessly with his Untucked, Untuck it shirt. I even saw some of the other Untuck it golf gear. I saw one on Cowherd, looked good. Uh, Untuck it has sh- changed the shirt shopping experience. And right now you get 20% off your first order and free shipping and free returns on all U.S. orders with the promo code HAM at checkout. Untuckit.com, promo code HAM, 20% off like you said. I was coming home at about 3.15 in the morning from some bars. I did not have a jacket on because you don't need to go outside. The problem is at that time, some of the hallways are closed and I had to go outside. 
I was I was on an alley about a half mile away from my hotel. I jogged, wait, really, really drunk in my untucked shirt because it's 20 degrees, kind of snowing, no jacket. The shirt looked so good, but I was free. I just me in the untucked shirt, just jogging back in boots and jeans to the hotel. But I, I love my untucked. God, I look good. Untucked.com promo code ham. Uh, get it. Untucked.com promo code ham. All right, and the uh, podcast. Oh, and by the way, 50 stores nationwide, one on Union Street in San Francisco. Uh, podcast also brought to you by Upstart. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. That means they go beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness at upstart.com slash ham. Yep, upstart.com slash ham. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate since... It's just a soft pull guy. doesn't affect the credit score. The best nope, part. Soft pull. Soft pull, baby. The loan is approved and accepted. Most people get their funds the very next business day. I mean, you, you and me, different points in times in our podcasting career, have been waiting on some funds. And then we've been waiting, and they've been waiting, and we don't always get them the next business day. But we have got, when, you, when they go, hey, it's be there tomorrow, and it's there, you're like, whoa! And it's, it's a game changer. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment plan with Upstart. All right, time for some headlines. Let's do it, guy. Okay, uh, I mean, we have to start with Trey Adams. You heard of him before? Yes. I have heard of Trey. I mean, this was a top 10 pick a couple years ago, dealt with some injuries. He was gonna, That's where he was trending towards as a left tackle. I mean, he was a premium left tackle prospect. Oh, this is Trey Adams, the Washington guy who had the bad back or whatever? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, that makes it even funnier. Okay. <laughs> so how does this work? Set this up, John. There, he's like in a team meeting in like the 15-minute window or something? No, I think you go to one-on-one with just a camera, and they do a run-through. Where are you from? You know, your birth date phone number, where we can reach you, some basic questions, right? How many years were you a starter? Just basic information. And then there are some generic, you know, big picture NFL combine and just interview type questions like, uh, you ever been married? Like this one. Yeah, just, just listen, play it. If you can change anything about yourself, what would it be? Uh, shit. Very, uh, Bigger dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, is there someone in the National Football League? <laughs> Guy, the interviewer. You remember when Jimmy Fallon was on Saturday Night Live and he could never control himself when he'd be doing yes. a skit with like Will Ferrell? And everyone went in Jimmy's skits would always start laughing because Jimmy yes. couldn't help himself. The interviewer, who I would imagine most interviews that this guy does, and he's it's a shitty job because you just every player comes through is probably the same guy just doing it. It's pretty monotonous and boring. He couldn't. He he was dying. I mean that that was that was funny. <laughs> so Jim Nagy, I didn't even I saw it because our friend, your friend, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, tweeted that what happened to Trey Adams should not happen. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And then you realize like that. That video that was out was like filmed off of a monitor, right? And my guess was somebody who works for one of the teams just filmed it to send to one of his buddies who sent it to somebody else. Maybe one of them DMs with PFD commenter or whatever. So now all of a sudden it's on Barstool. I think, you, just, I, I think you're ahead of yourself because the teams, the combine's going on. The teams don't have that. It gets sent to them. I think it's like an intern for the league office or something. Gotcha. So that's, that's probably so that cutting a, it that up. Is a, 
That's not an individual team interview is what you're saying. No, no, no. It's a generic okay. one that every team gets because if you can see, you're right. It's getting off a screen. Like the numbers are above it. Like he was just probably O-lineman 75 or whatever. And you just cut it into individuals and then you p- put it in a file and it gets sent to everyone. I can imagine it's just a league intern gets the shittiest job and is dying laughing. And you're right. Then he sends it and then it's off to the races. But it was not a guy from a team I Maybe it was, but I, I bet it was a league employee and probably a young league employee. One thing I, I, I thought watching it was I I think it reflects positively. He's just being funny. He can't he's just been asked this stupid ass question, right? That you get asked to tell us your greatest weakness, right? It's like, oh, I care too much. I work too what's one thing about yourself you'd change? It's like, what, what am I what are we doing here? Like, this is stupid. He can't think of he literally can't think of anything. So then he has the, the presence of mind to answer with what he knows will probably impress some people because, like, hey, he's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought he was being funny. I did he too. knew he was being funny. I thought it was hilarious. Like, I, I, now, it does set a bad precedent, right? Like, there are things that get said in those meetings. I'm sure that is sensitive. One million percent. Like, when people, this gets back to Jeff Ireland. Yeah, my father died. Just deaths and just situation, drug addicts and just comments that you say because you're in an open situation these agents tell you be don't hide from anything but that that to me was very uh jovial like it was funny it was just it, it, you're right it doesn't reflect poorly on them at all I do think though if they wanted to figure out like it'd be pretty easy to figure out where the league started like if the NFL I don't even know if they would care right yeah, but if they yeah. did they could figure out like the one guy's job was to just cut stop Put it in the file. It's, it's right. going to be one of it, it. Maybe there was two or three of them, but it'd be a small group. If you wanted to do investigation, we, we we could find the human quick. The agent probably should just to prevent something when something really gets is a problem. To me, that's one. You're right. The agent because it's if you're the agent, you would not want that out. You would probably call the guy that runs the combine and ask a question like, "What the fuck, man?" Because you're you're right. I mean, they're. That was funny, and it's an easy one, but it would go just as viral if it was like a, a drug addict, just something even crazier. I don't even know. You're, you're right, because we, we know how Twitter works. That one's an easy one, because he's talking about it. He used the word dick. But I, I think there would be something. Uh, th- bigger dick? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> does that mean he has a small dick, or does that just mean he's just being funny? Uh, right. Well, that's what you – right. What if, he's, what if it's like – He's truly, he wakes up every day just horrified and yeah. tortured by this <laughs> micro penis. Isn't he big? I mean, he's got to be like 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, like right? six, I think he's even bigger. I think he's bigger than that. I, I think he's really big, but yeah. Was he healthy last year? Or did he play? Uh, you know, I can't keep track of his injuries. I do think he was mostly healthy, but I think, is he a fifth year? Yeah, he's old. Might have been a six yeah, he's, year. Johnny's six eight. He's six eight. God yeah, damn, he's, so he's huge. But I, but I, part of me, I feel like he was supposed to come out two years ago. Yeah, he was. He was supposed to come out as like a true junior and be a top five pick. Got hurt, and then it kind of derailed. I, I'd forgotten about him. I remember two years ago, or maybe it was three years ago. He tore, well, he tore his ACL. That was it, and then he came the back. Year he was going to be like a top ten pick. Comes back, but then he hurts his back. Yeah, God, this guy. I'm I'm glad he still got a good sense of humor after it all. He might be yeah. is he an undraftable player with all his injuries? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It depend. Yeah, it depends on that. There's, there's that physical. <laughs> oh, that checked out. Yeah. All right, John. Let's go back to Deion Sanders for more combine fun. 
This is uh, Troy. I I don't know how you say this guy's name. And a guy like Derrick James, they White don't guy. need nobody to be successful. White guy. They're going to be successful no matter what situation you place them in. This is Troy Ashley. Oh, man, he can run. Why are you surprised, Dan? Oh, well, you know why I'm surprised. I can't say it on TV, but he can run. run. <laughs> he was a track guy. Right. He was a track guy. But, but you're saying it with an You don't tone. see that much. You're saying it in tone. Let's call it what it is. I like that, He man. just ran 4-3-5. Hey, man, let me go hug at him. At 215 pounds. I'm going to hug him. Hey, man. Then he actually does. That was good, man. <laughs> you can run, run. Excuse me, 200 pounds. <laughs> I try. Are you mad? The other thing is, like, the guy went to Penn State. Uh... He and he doesn't look like he's been working out in SoCal like a lot of people. No, do. he's pasty. He's pretty pale. He's pasty white. <laughs> four three five guy for a white guy is hauling ass. I mean, that's hauling ass for any guy, right? Purple, black, yellow. A white guy. How many in the history of the combine white guys have run under four four flat? It's got to be a relatively smaller list, right? Maybe like a uh, Tim, probably Tim Dwight. Tim Dwight. McCaffrey didn't run four three five. I think he was like four four two. How about uh, Devin um, Wiley? Devin Wiley. Uh, did he ever make it to the combine? He wasn't. As, he. It felt like he was faster. Than, like he did. Yeah, I, he didn't run that fast. McCaffrey didn't run that fast, did he? Uh, I don't know. I'm pulling up Wiley right here. 2012, 2012 draft. Four, four three fives all on ass. So I, I see where Dion. You can tell if you're on the field and you're just watching a lot of forties. Like, did you notice Dion picked it up by the time the guy was at the twenty? It's like this guy's. I know he did. I know because you you can if you just watch him, you get a feel for like whoa, this is gonna be. It's it's just crazy how your your eyes, you just become, four, you figure yeah, it out. Four four one. That's fast. Wiley, he was drafted. Uh, let me check Lance Irline. His comp better not be Jason Seahorn. The corner for Mac must have gone back in there because I saw him with the like, that was Matt, yeah, with like the running backs. They must just hey, Mike, come in whatever you want, bro. <laughs> Open forum, we, we got a headset for you. You just you get bored. And in fairness, have you noticed these? Com- I mean, the combine goes on for seven hours a day. So if you're Holy Mike, shit, you're like, didn't you come back five days ago? God damn, I, I came back late Thursday night. It's Sunday night, the thing just ended. But have you noticed, like, you'll just be flipping channels. You're like, God, they even feel bored. And then you'll come back like five hours later, and it's like the second group of guys. You're like, God, DJ was on air. He told me for 28 hours, for four days, 28 hours. Long time, guy. Because there's a little break. There's like a halftime. They split the groups, right? They go like A to, A to you know, J or something, and then they go M to Z, right? So they, they break it up by alphabet, two groups, every position, and there's a lot of positions. It's not just like the corners, then the linebackers, the D linemen, the O linemen, the running backs, and the tight ends, and the wide receivers. You're like, God damn, this thing goes forever. Uh, headline Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon were at the uh, Syracuse basketball game. Apparently, uh, Tom got booed by some Bills fans, but that's not the story. The camera's on them, and Julian, you can read his lips, or you can actually kind of hear him, right? He's saying he's coming back. Yeah. And the question is, all the internet detectives want to know, is Tom Brady saying, no, he's not, in reply? It didn't look like Tom was happy that Julian said that. It didn't look like he was happy. It, I, it also felt like Tom was a little uncomfortable in that situation, but it's like, 
Tom, what do you expect sitting courtside with Jimmy Fallon and Julian Edelman? What do you think? I'll just expect Edelman to start talking about he's coming back, probably. But what's Julian supposed to say? Like, I hope he hits test free agency. If I'm Julian, just throws up some peace signs. They weren't being interviewed; they're just on camera. Well, if I'm Julian, I, I'm I'm pure pressuring. I don't blame Edelman at all. I don't want him to leave. <laughs> you, you want Andy Dalton? I read like Mike Girardi or one of the Patriot guys. If uh, Brady does leave, Andy Dalton would be in the mix. You think Julian Edelman wants to play with fucking Andy Dalton? <laughs> Is Julian under contract, or can he also go wherever Tom goes? I don't know. I, he'll, pro- he'll probably like want to trade, and then Belichick will refuse. Is just Jimmy Fallon their buddy? It's kind of a interesting trio, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jimmy Fallon, classic Boston fan. Is he? Remember that old? Speaking of Jimmy, oh yeah, remember the old SNL? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Him and Rachel Dratch as Red Sox fan. Come on, kid. What What was the movie? Where he's like uh, a fever? Was it Fever Pitch? Yeah, where he watched the Red Sox win the World Series. Or was that a different movie? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's correct. Yeah, I think that's that movie. Did you see? Well, there's also the baseball movie with Sandler. That that might be the movie I'm talking about with Nicholson. Did you see James Harden potentially sh- shit his pants? <laughs> I, I yeah, I or is I it just sweat? That. Maybe he didn't wipe well, and it's not like he actually pooped, but it's just. You know, white shorts, just, you know. Well, I also think yeah. you sit on the bench. Maybe you sit on the, you fall on the ground. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> white shorts are dangerous. Yeah, they are. White, white anything is dangerous, really. Did you see the comments that Harden made about the Greek freak? Yeah, I did. In response, because I remember watching the All-Star draft and the Greek freak was like, oh, I want, you know, like I want somebody who's going to share, I want people who are going to share the ball. Did you see what was essentially his comment? Did you see what the Greek freak did today? Uh, in Charlotte, 41, 20 and six. <laughs> and he's just dunking over guys like doing up and under a key moves, like grabbing rebounds over guys. It, it guy, if he truly is, which I think he might be, cause he's pretty intense that, it, it, you know, he just said, I want guys to pass. Wasn't really that. It wasn't that big of a dick statement. Harden was Harden kind of, which I like, I, I got no problem talking shit. I, I enjoyed his comments did kind of claim like, yeah, fucking, this guy's kind of fraudulent. He can't shoot. He's just seven-footer with dunks. Like, that's it. Like, damn, bro. I mean, Harden was pretty out of it. Which, yeah, well, do you totally blame Harden? Like, I will say for Harden this, it is, the game is just a little harder if you're James Harden versus if you're Giannis. But, but don't you think a reason he said that was because he had been taking shots at him? There's no way yeah. he wasn't going to talk some shit back. I agree. Sure. It is Guy, I don't know how many. Of these I wouldn't were... bet against. I don't think betting against Giannis becoming a complete player is going to be a winning bet, though. But if you, if Milwaukee played Houston in a series, let's say mm. they played in the NBA Finals, who would you bet on? Milwaukee, same. Even the, Giannis, even though Russ has kind of been dominating. You see his stat line the last like two weeks. Russ Westbrook, he's like taking over because he's basically like a small ball four now. Just kind of stat line's <laughs> never been the problem, though. No, but they're winning. Ga- they've been really good when they go. You know, their tallest guy is when they go small. Yeah, six six. Um, any other headlines? I got a couple. But. Well, this guy is might just be Zion of football. Isaiah Isaiah Simmons. My God, Do you see his like spark numbers. I know he ran a four three nine, but every one of his percentiles for jumps, for verticals, for standing reach, everything was in like ninety four yeah. plus percentile. Yeah, and someone it might have been Dion, it might have been Mayock or DJ. I don't even know who. But one big question on this guy. I had a friend in the league. 
I remember on the national championship game, I'm just texting like, is this guy going to go top five? He's like, my issue with him is he has a lot of flash plays. And like, if your defensive coordinator is not Jim Johnson or something or Belichick, he's not just a plug and play player. But as someone said, the knock was, well, can he play DB if he's not like a true middle linebacker? Well, if you're running four three nine, you can play DB, right? If you can run four three nine, you can run in space. I think that solidifies him. Worst case scenario, he's just some honey badger type player, right? Because that was in the national championship. Well, he's six four two forty. Well, yeah, he's just a, he's well, get, when you meet safeties from like the Lewis Riddick days. Era. Yeah, they're yeah. they're all. They're not like you meet Honey Badger, you look at him eye to eye. You meet Lewis, you're like he's six three. They're all John Lynch. They all used to be huge. Now they were big for they were hitters, but this guy can just cut, this guy. If you can run, the, the reason guy most guys can't play in space, they can't run. It's just you get so you're in no man's land. You can't catch anyone. You run four three nine. Power's hips. Well, fucking good enough. He's I, he moves around well in space. Did you see? A couple weeks ago, Field Yates tweeted his um, where he where Isaiah Simmons lined up, like how many snaps at different positions last year. Yeah. So his most snaps were at slot corner. He had 286 snaps. His second most snaps were at safety. So the the vast majority of his snaps 286 RD, at slot RDB, corner, 218 at safety, then 160 at outside linebacker, then 120 snaps inside or middle, and then 17 snaps. Uh, on the perimeter, on the outside, um, you, you, he also had seven. He rushed the passer seventy-one times and had seven sacks. That's a pretty good ten to one ratio. You could argue, what's the guy? I always forget his name. The DB from Ohio State, the Gian Yakuda. Yakuda. Chase Young. You can't argue. You would take a, a potential fifteen sack guy over even the Honey Badger or Earl Thomas or whatever, right? If you could get Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald in their prime, you take the pass rusher. But if you just go corner or the hybrid, like, would you rather have the Honey Badger or a really good corner? Would you rather have Earl Thomas or a really good corner? This guy probably should be the second non-quarterback off the draft. A, a really good corner or a complete shutdown corner? Well, Because a complete uh, shutdown corner, I'd probably take that guy. But well, otherwise, people a guy that can make plays all over the field. Well, people view Akuda as like a, a Revis. Like, he's elite. People think he's, like, going to be a star. But they... Isaiah Thomas could be a star too, or Isaiah Simmons. Simmons. I'm just saying, would you agree you would take shut down corner, then Honey Badger, then really good corner? Like peak Honey, Honey Badger or Earl Thomas or something? I don't know. I like Yeah, just because that guy's playing all over the entire field. I'm a, I'm a sucker for safeties. I like safeties more than most people. But I like middle linebackers more than two. But this guy, I, this guy's going to go high. <laughs> this guy, you should just, how, would you say, would you bet, a, I mean, I'd, I'd bet $500 right now there's no chance on God's green earth this guy even sniffs like 10. I think this guy has like 5 to 8 range written all over him, right? Yeah, so the top 10 could be three quarterbacks, two Ohio State guys, and a Clemson. And and this right. guy, yeah. It could be Akuda. He'd end up being the third defensive player taken. Or maybe second. Like I think, it, I think yeah. the conversation would be, and this is back to what we were just talking about, do you like Isaiah Simmons or Akuda? How do you value him? I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Because here, here would be my counter to Akuda. It's and even richer. Like I just throw it Mosley every time. Right. You just when you have Isaiah, well, he's in the middle. Like he is in that spot, Jimmy Ward. So maybe he doesn't flip his hips. Right. Where where Richard had nothing to do on that play because he's on the other side. Or Patrick Peterson. Well, I'll just throw it your other corner. 
That's what made LOB kind of special is they had like guys everywhere. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams like, well, you got Patrick Peterson and Haberman on the left side. You're like, well, we're gonna go at that guy. That's I I, I think a, they were, but they, even they were pretty sweet when they had their thing going. Who? The Cardinals. Yeah, they had like four guys. So most teams don't though. I I would probably lean if you just go well. One guy is gonna be Ed Reed, and the other guy is let's say gonna be Revis. I I just think that. The safety gives you more versatility. Now, if you say, "Well, I'll take a Revis," I couldn't blame you. It'll be interesting. If you had to bet right now, let's take a let's take a make a statement right now. Do you think Akuda? Because if you're taking Akuda, you could easily take Simmons. I I bet Simmons goes ahead of him just because I think it's easier to justify now hybrids and packages and the way you use guys. Slot corners yeah. are starters now. Reading that that snap distribution from Clemson is pretty convincing. He's just a star too. Like a co- cover running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, I bet Akuda would say, "Well, I can fucking play outside and inside. I'd do it all." I, you probably also, you probably can't like, go wrong. The, now, there's, couldn't you argue this too? Like, all right, who am I? Ha- who am I going to have to beat in all likelihood to win a su- to go to the Super Bowl if I'm an AFC team? I got to go find a way to slow Andy Reid's team. To, I got to get Tyreek. I got to figure these guys out. Got somebody who can chase down Mahomes, who maybe can cover Tyreek Hill. You probably can't go wrong. You probably can't go wrong with either of them. I now thinking about it, I think the counter argument would be Akuda can't miss. He's just an elite corner. You just play him there. This guy, what if you like can't figure quite out the position? He's doing all this other stuff. There is some. It, what if our coordinator's not quite dynamic enough? I mean, the fact that he played so much safety tells me he could just be your starting really safety. Like, the fact that he's played so much of that position tells me he's probably a smart guy, right? Clearly. So, like, that that would aid in the ability to prevent, as opposed to, like, if safety was fourth on the list of snaps and you're trying to figure out if he could do it. But I, the film, I'm guessing, says he can do it. Yeah. Safety, and you know what playing a slot corner tells you you got good instincts because everything's so fast. It's not like, there's not like pedal, pedal, get to my landmark. It's just like wham, bam, dude's moving really fast. Edelman's, like, three little head nods. <laughs> uh, a couple other guys real quick. Mikai Becton, 6'7", 364, body fat 19%, 5'1", 40, Louisville. <laughs> That's incredible. May- Mayock thought it was the most impressive feat of the combine. He thought it was more impressive than Henry Ruggs running a 4'2", Wow. I- and I think I'd probably agree. How about Henry Ruggs' basketball tape going kind of viral? Do you see that, some well, of his dunks? Yeah, it was like Henry just... <laughs> Don't even do the combine. That's imp- like, just send that to the combine people. Well, he had Power 5 basketball offers. Jeez, man. Jonathan Taylor, 439, first-round pick. You think he's a top-20 pick? Did I see you tweet that? Uh, no, that was Henry Ruggs. Oh. I, I think the knock on Taylor is fumbles and just how great of a pass catcher is he. Like, it is, it is a question. A lot of fumbles, too. A lot of fumbles. Lock first-rounder. I wouldn't go lock. I, I would lean first-rounder. Mayock did a, he's a stud, kind of under his breath. Like, I, we're not drafting, but he's number one on our board. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. So that was a good sign for him. He's good. I mean, four three nine is hauling ass for a running back. Like, especially a Big Ten running back, non Ohio State. He's, I, I'm a fan. Non Saquon. <laughs> I want a bigger dick. That's that's gonna. <laughs> Every four or five years, something happens with a penis with the combine. Remember Chris <laughs> Jones? His balls <laughs> fell out in this year. Uh, okay. Good talk. All right. On that note, peace.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.